by me on the boat, and we talked theology, like on the, which was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I've, invi- I've asked Cliff, who works for my day job as well. He uh, is the tour manager for Cutlass, and uh, they were all with us. There's a few of us on the on the journey. Um, well, you know, let's pray. Let's do that. And let's turn off our cell phones. And then uh, we have two, oh, we have two stools. This is very exciting. Okay. Um, turn this off. It's from Chris Strayer. <laughs> Chris works with uh, with Nick. So let's pray, and then um, and then we'll go through this. And basically, it's going to be real simple, kind of panel style, uh, some thoughts. And, it's funny, you know, whenever the missionary lady would ever come to church when I was a little kid, it was kind of no good because it was usually they'd show, like, the little African kids with the big bellies, and then I would always be real scared to get too close to it because I didn't want to get called to Africa, and so I just kind of ignored it. Um, so hopefully that's not you tonight. <laughs> hopefully that was just me when I was a kid. But um, I just we're just going to, I guess we we're going to kind of go panel style and just kind of talk about some of the things and maybe look at some of the videos and then maybe comment on it and that kind of stuff because they were with us the whole time. Um, so anyway, God, thanks so much for this opportunity that you've given all of us to share uh, in your kingdom. And our prayer tonight is that um, that we're not just recounting stories as much as that we're asking your spirit to speak to all of us individually on a um, on a heart level, not just a head level. In Jesus' name, amen. Is it hot in here or is it me? I'm hot, that's all I'm saying. Probably because in Africa, it was so hot everywhere we went inside. It was like my core temperature is still hovering like at 99.5. Not got my Diet Coke. Um, if you've been around the Bible at all, one of the things that um, theology professors say is that good theology is basically, um, and they've got fancy words for it, but bottom line is that Find out what the Bible talks the most about, and then go do that, and then match it up with your life. See, if if this is what the Bible talks a lot about, then technically in my life, I should be doing a lot of this, okay? And that's really great when it's it's the prosperity stuff, you know, when it's the healing stuff, when it's I'm going to get rich for Jesus stuff, Um, except that in reality, and I don't know, maybe you'll have this moment someday, maybe you've already, maybe this won't because maybe you're smarter than me, but... I had this moment not long ago in my life when it occurred to me that the Bible talks more about the poor and the vulnerable than almost anything. And our responsibility to it, it's over and over and over and over and over. We were talking even on Sunday um, at our church in the book of Amos. And I would tell you what, Amos, you know what I'm saying? Good book. I've joked about this before, but we have visitors. It's very important that you read the whole Bible because at some moment when you get to heaven, you don't want to have to run into Amos and apologize because you didn't get around to reading his book, right? So for no other reason, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, Habakkuk, man. That was awesome. I love that part. 
But Amos is a is is a, a prophetic book, and it's basically God saying to Israel, "Look, well, I appreciate your enthusiasm. You screwed some stuff up, and we, there's a little price to pay. But one of the things that's this theme over and over again is about. Uh, here's what he's angry. He says, "For uh, for three sins of Israel, even four, I will not turn back my wrath." And it goes on to list them. But it says one of them is they trample on the heads of the poor in a. Uh, as upon the dust of the ground and denied justice to the oppressed. I would have thought he was mad at him about the whole harlotry thing, right? And worshiping idols, but he's really... And, and he mentions stuff about, you know, they sell righteous for silver and the needy a pair of sand, for a pair of sandals. It's really about the poor that he's really upset with him. Uh, in verse 11 of chapter 5, you trample on the poor and force them to give you grain. Um, therefore, you've built stone mansions and You'll not live in them. And I, man, when I was in Africa, boy, did I see some of that. You'd see some, these massive houses or beautiful hotels that are just surrounded by abject poverty everywhere. Um, in verse 4 of chapter 8 again, it says, Hear this, you who trample on the needy, and do away with the poor of the land. Um, when the new moon will be over, that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended, that we might market wheat skimping the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. Um, says, the Lord uh, has sworn by the pride of Jacob, I will never forget anything that they have done. And so I look at that, and I know that that's just one chapter in one book, uh, in one Bible, right? And you just see it over and over again, and it, it's James chapter 1, it talks about the, tr- and it's so funny because it sounds nice in a song and it looks good on a, on a placard on your refrigerator, but it says what? That acceptable religion is this, that you would, you know, the, the, the orphans and the widows. And so what strikes me about that is that in my personal life for so long, you know, as a family, we were really quick to tithe really fast on the draw just in case the whole windows of heaven thing was true. Um, and, and we really meant well by it. We, we continue to tithe. We continue to mean well by it. But when you begin to cross-reference your life with the Bible, and again, quantity here, right, versus quantity and how I live my life, and I found myself really lacking in that particular area. Um, I found, here's what I found it. Maybe, you, maybe you'll appreciate it from this angle. I found it more as like it was okay, we're going to do all these amazing things, and then this whole caring for the poor was kind of more of an afterthought, right, as opposed to a forethought. And so, but when you look at it in the scriptures, it's a forethought versus an afterthought. And it's like somehow, some weird way in America, we kind of got it all figured out that this was like a thing that we would do every once in a while. We would take a benevolent offering at our church for just in case or one of those kinds of things, as opposed to it being a part of our core and a part of who we are, um, and so what I hope that can catch on in our world, and I love what we've done here, that's kind of where Conduit became born from. And if you're visiting, the name Conduit was just this really simple thing. It was a, a pipe, right? And if you look around the building, there's, um, I guess none in here, but they're usually little pipes that where electricity is carried through. They're, they're called Conduit, um, or Conduit, I think is the plural, right, Tony, of, of Conduit. Um, 
But they're simple. There's no moving parts. But they carry resources from one place to another. That's what I felt the Lord was showing us that we should be. And then I saw that passage where Jesus said that from you would flow rivers, from your belly, rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Holy Spirit that he basically is describing us as a pipe, a conduit that takes resources from him, not just financial, right? But his spirit from one place and moves it to another. And when you think about it, even in bearing fruit, a branch is nothing more than a conduit that's attached to a vine that produces fruit on the other end. And for so many years, I always envisioned fruit as, and I've heard it said as, you know, this, and I've even said it from, you know, the stage. You know, you get a lot of people saved, that's bearing, quote, what? A lot of fruit, right? Except that, biblically speaking, fruit is what? Love, joy, peace, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness. Bearing fruit isn't about how many people we could get saved. Bearing fruit is about love, joy, peace, and those things, and then the Father draws them in with our fruit, right? And so... If that is really what we are, is to be a conduit of the fruit of the Spirit, and if we don't have time for this tonight, but when you look in that chapter in Galatians, the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, right? And then it says uh, singular, and then it says love, and then joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. So love is the singular fruit of the Spirit. Those other things, long-suffering, patience, kindness, you, you think of it more as like it's the texture the taste, the feel, the look, the color, you know what I mean, of, of love are those things. And so we can say all day long that we love each other and we can you know, hold hands and sing and you know, all those things, but love is an action. And it's the same way that I, and I've said it before, I can't just stand here and say, oh, I worship you, Lord, I worship you, Lord, I worship you, Lord, any more than I can stand and say, I hug you, Shannon, I hug you, Shannon, I hug you, Shannon, I have to hug her. And love is that. And love is not just, I love you, and you know how it is at youth rallies, right? We love Jesus, yes we do, we, you know, and then the other side chants. And, and, and it's not just this word, it's not just this feeling, it is this action. And in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when Paul is talking about an offering, not to get the church programs paid for, but an offering for the poor, the saints in Jerusalem, he doesn't show the pictures or write about the stories. And, and it's, I, I still wonder, and I still struggle how to do this right, because he didn't talk about the, the, the needs that existed there. He encouraged them uh, for their love. And read it. When you go home tonight, I encourage you to read it. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. He encourages them to, with their love in the Lord. He says, this is my test for you, for your love for the Lord, which sounds like a really tacky thing to say. But what he's saying is that, you know, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. His commands were what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor. What? As yourself. And if you are hungry, what do you do? Eat. If your neighbor is hungry and they don't have anything, you feed them. I mean, that's, this is love. And it is the fruit of the Spirit. It is what Paul appealed to for them personally. Not for to, to try to touch them inside, to, to trigger some emotion, but to say, if you really love the Lord... And all of us here would say, just like Peter did on that day when, Je when Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus said in John chapter 22, I think it's the last chapter in John, do you love me? And he said, it, Jesus said, agape love, that God kind of love. And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. But he said, what back? I phileo love you. I buddy, you're, you know, high five, butt slap love, you know. Jesus, good game.
But that's what that's what it is. It's 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 locker room talk, you know. It's like that kind of love, you know. Pound it, lock it, you know. Um, and Jesus said, "But do you agape love?" And Peter said, "But." Jesus, you know I fully... And the thing is, and understand this, if you're not there yet in your heart, and this is the struggle for me, is that, you know, when you've arrived there, you want to beat everybody over the head and bring them in. And what did he say, though, by the way? He said, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. But anyway, but he didn't beat him up when Peter said, yeah, I phileo love you. Keeping in mind, this is Peter who blew it. Just a few days before, he had gone back to his day job. He had screwed it up to the point where he thought so bad that I'm quitting. I'm going back to my day job. And Jesus says, no, no, come back. I love you. And even though I agape love you and you phileo love me back, which is how often we are with the Lord, he says, I still want you to feed my sheep. And I love it because Peter, the chicken poop, from a few days ago, in a few days from then would become one of the greatest, in front of the same people that crucified the Lord, stands up and gives the first altar call in the history of man. Because somehow in the middle of that conversation, his phileo love turned to agape love and he began the, the ministry upon this rock I will build my church and there's Peter right there so what I hope when we get done tonight and we're going to be lighthearted. I don't mean to be like real heavy and beach over the head but you know maybe we'll show some videos and um and Nick and Cliff I got you lovely stools right here we can only afford one mic though um maybe you guys can you come up here and then like sit on this and then I didn't really have anything envisioned other than kind of letting us maybe share our feelings and then maybe some of the videos will spur conversation if you have comments or questions. We don't have to be here all night, but um, if you uh, don't know, um, again, Nick, I love you, you're in the spotlight there. Um, Nick Kolb is 28-ish, 7-ish years old and is uh, with Creation Concerts in New Jersey, but just moved here, um, and is actually the guy that, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, somewhere, someone get the verbs, Uh, invited me (laughs) um, to go on this trip. Uh, Creation Concerts, um, Creation Festival has uh, had over 30, was it 30,000 kids that have been sponsored for compassion from Creation Concerts, Uh, basically what half of the population of Franklin. and so he invited me to go on this trip, and uh, it was so funny because it was one of these calls, like, hey, you want to go to Africa? Sure, you know, and I didn't really think much more of it. I'm like, that's, you know, I had no idea, you know, even moving up to him, thinking, well, that's pretty cool, I guess. Um, and then Cliff joined us as well. Cliff has been working, actually, Cliff has worked with us since he was like 17 years old, 19. You look like you were 16. Had a fantastic mohawk. Um, and uh, Cliff went with us as well. Um, and we got to uh, be very close uh, during this journey. <laughs> um, but I thought uh, from the video, if you got a video up there, I want to show you the, um, this was, oh, they didn't come up in order, so I have to look at this real close. Um, well, wow. <laughs> uh, let's Lunch in Masaka Town, Uganda. Let's start there. You know, no, let's start with Little Kirk Franklin. I'm sorry. The one up right above there. So we walked into this oh, facility. You remember this kid? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there we go. This was they. They would always greet us when we'd come to a project. They would greet us uh, with a program that they had cr- presented. And these are all kids that are sponsored by 
people, um, 70% of which are sponsored by people in America, by the way. But. how we were welcomed in many of the places with little uh, singing and that was little Kirk Franklin um, and then uh, I think lunch in Masaka town is all of us feeding him so the one right below so this is if I'm right this is the same facility where we we're actually able to serve these kids uh, lunch and I kept getting yelled at that I wasn't giving him enough rice is that is that it okay let's try and see yeah, I think that's it. So here we are with my buddies, my new friends. Hang on. So my new friends in Uganda. Um, <laughs> they loved being photographed. Hello to America. Hello. Hello. They say hello, hello. conduit. Hello, conduit. Hello, conduit. Hello, conduit. These are my new friends in... A very um, shiny. How do I say the town? Masaka? Yes. Masaka town in Uganda. And we're here having lunch. They're down here, they're feeding them. Part of what compassion does is uh, not only teach them about the Lord and educate them with school, but they also bring them food. And then, uh, amazing food cooked by these amazing ladies. <laughs> Say hello. Oh, hello to the baby. Those, that was the kitchen. Amazing cooking right here and making amazing food. Amazing All right there. Food. Is it amazing? Say, it is delicious. Say, it's delicious. They're like, no. The food tastes good? <laughs> yes. They just taste good. They just don't know what I'm talking about because they don't speak uh, English very well. So, um, and you can't see the countryside very good, but if you look way over there, way high up in Uganda, beautiful, forever out there in all the hills. Uganda is. So that was lunch. Do you guys have any memories from that day or anything like specifically that? Um, I, that kid I remember, I mean, he obviously stood out, but I think um, that day we went on a home visit, um, which we would do every day. We'd essentially go to a project and then actually break up into little teams and go to a home, um, which is, you know, just a, in some cases a clay hut, in some cases just bricks and, and mortar to a degree, and that's what they lived in, and it was, you know, half the size of the stage is their entire house, and they all, yeah, for a family of eight, or, and I think that was the one that was like 16, lived in this little house. They all share a couple of beds with a mosquito net, but um, I remember in that one, what uh, Darren said, you know, 
what Compassion was doing on the trip is, you know, they're really working with the orphans, they're working with uh, the widows. And the one kid I got talking to, um, he's sponsored by a family uh, that lives in the States, but his mom was HIV uh, positive, his dad just recently died of HIV. And you're in, you know, their house, sitting on the floor with them, and they're just kind of talking about their life. And one thing that the kid said is, thank you, and I'd love for you to come here, and you know, he's all happy. And you know, his mom is gonna die soon of HIV, his dad just died, he's beyond poor. I mean, our homeless in the United States seem rich to these people. And he's just happy that we're there, spending time with him. So it's definitely, it puts things in perspective, to say the least. But. If you go two up to Joseph's house, this was the house, that was the house that I visited. We would, they would split us up into little groups, and then each of us would go to a particular project. Uh, Joseph's mom uh, had HIV, um, and his father had already died, and uh, she was so industrious. So we could, she kind of gave us a tour of all the things that she'd figured out how to do. And they were considered lucky because that house was made out of bricks, even though it was a dirt floor. I can't remember what that was, but it was some fancy mulching thing. At some point, we actually would follow her somewhere in a... That was her magic mulch pile. The mulch in the middle, QVC. So what she was showing is that she, they would put the poo and stuff in there from the goats, and it would fall down into the, and fertilize the greens and stuff that she would prepare so she could make her food go a lot further. See, that was the thing I thought the QVC should get a hold of. Mulch in the middle. You said it, and forget it. That's great. How are you, buddy? Ivan? What's your name? What is it? This was how she created running water. It's a little brick and a rope in the bottom. For the record, my camera work is very shoddy. I'm aware. But it's just a little tiny, you know. Did you make that? Did you make that? Can I see that again? Technology. That's great. That's great. Okay, we can stop it.
Um, what compassion did in that case, and I'm not you know here just to say compassion only or whatever, but what I, th- I learned a lot from that. And one of the things I learned, I don't know if you guys saw any of this, but they, like that house that they lived in was because compassion gave her a loan. When you have HIV in Africa, um, it's huge. Like you get fired and you can't get a job. So they gave her a loan to get that house, which was probably 300 bucks. Um, and they gave her another loan to start a business, which in that world would be like a piggery or goats. And I've got pictures on the little blog about the, of Grace the goat. She named all of her, her goats biblical names like Grace and Hope. And, um, and, uh, but then from that she could then make, and she, inside they showed us where she could make pants. Um, and would sell those and can make clothes for her kids. And, uh, and, and she sold some of the greener, greens that she did as well, like in her garden. So basically what they're trying to do is give her the ability to provide for herself in a world where, I mean, you and I technically, if we are on hard times, we could always end up at Starbucks or McDonald's. There is an option for a job. And in their world, there were no options. One of our guys said that there's for every 500 jobs, or 500, or every job, there's like 500 applicants well, that, that same day, the house visit I went on, um, the mother had HIV as well and was taking care of uh, her own child and three other kids who were in the family. And uh, Compassion had gone in and given them a baby pig that they were raising and feeding so that when it got old enough, they were going to take the pig and sell all the meat from that to get more pigs and sustain a family business in that sense, yeah. where they'd be able to provide for the family for years to come off of one pig. And they were hoping that by the end of the year they could slaughter the pig, but then buy three others and then take those three and turn them into six more. And they were doing the same things with chickens and other birds as well, where Compassion came in and gave them this one three-week-old pig that they're now turning into a big profit for a family that lives off of $3 a week. I think one of the things that was so... And I kind of wrote about it, you know, I mean, I would kind of just mentally vomit when I would get back to the hotel and just try to get everything into thoughts. And, um, but it was like, and I think I used the word, it redefines rescue, because I look at that and think, you know, that's not where I would want to live. That's not, but what was amazing, I guess, was that my ability to kind of learn that, A, that was the type of environment that Jesus chose to be born into, was a society just like that, a society you know, and I think, and I, I meant it kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, I mean, if I'm God, I'd go for like now, like we got internet and TV and, you know, get me a campaign manager and, you know, be famous. But he chose this as an environment to be born into. Um, and so in some ways it's like, and, and I'm not for a minute suggesting that, you know, we all need to sell our homes and move into, you know, like buy some land in Colombia and, you know. But, you know, because by the same token, when I think about 70% of the, the provision that comes from, to compassion, comes from the United States, you know, I guess what it's more is like, okay, it's not so much that as it is that it's the, the truth, the pactic adjustment that of your back, you know, of the, of the truth in your life of as little as I have, I've still got more than, than she had. And I've got enough where... I should share some of it. And I think that's what was so beautiful about what Paul said. was He said, according to what you're able. And if it's zero, then yeah, then there are some people that there is zero. But what I found fascinating was all these folks here, you know, we, we got to one project and um, 
a guy named Brian Crows, uh, when we got there, and, and the mom was late because she was volunteering at an HIV clinic. She herself had HIV, and she was volunteering. So I guess when I think of able, what I'm able to do, maybe I'm selling myself short of what I actually am able to do because when the Bible says that through Christ, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that that ability is maybe bigger than what I'm allowing myself to think. Um, and to that end, fish head lunch, about four up. Yeah, th- this was the day that Nick and uh, Cliff were in- enjoying uh, stomach cramps. <laughs> Had to stay behind. So we're having lunch right now. Me and Rebecca and Blessed Hope. These are the two children that we're sponsoring. There's the fish head. Yeah. And you're having some good food, right? And some rice. Masuka? Is it called masuka? It's banana poo. All of their lunch. And they get big, full tummies, and they're going to eat all their food. And this is a blessing for them to have food here. Blessings, right? They only had soda because they were in eating with the grown-ups. Most kids weren't drinking anything. And then if you, um, there's one titled Tsunami of Need, which I put, I think I put up online, but this was outside of that, what was going, like we're eating inside, this was what was going on right outside our door. Still, um, a lady at the university mentioned to me that it was kind of like imagining a tsunami coming at you, and all you had was one bucket. And what would you do? Uh, she said, "You just take your bucket and do what you can do with your bucket." And I see today, and it looks like uh, absolutely a tsunami of uh, children that need help. Um, I know that us at Conduit and uh, our family. This is what we can do with our bucket. Um, the children that I've personally sponsored today, this is just part of the bucket that we've got. And uh, yet it's still kind of hard to look and see the, the tsunami that's following behind. These are just a few of the children that are here today in one project, in one town, in one province, in one country. So many more. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to fathom. I think that was one of the things that was so overwhelming was there were so many children everywhere. Like they would just be jumping on you, um, hanging on us, and it would be at some points like we're literally you'd be I don't know if you guys had that happen right where they'd be just surrounding you and grabbing on you know. You felt like a rock star, except for you weren't. Um, yeah, you couldn't move, couldn't walk. And they kept calling it, uh, Mzungo was white boy, or white man. <laughs> so we heard that a lot, Mzungo! So, I mean, do you guys have any thoughts from your? That, I mean, just for like a side note, that lunch with the fish heads, that was pretty much like a fancy lunch for them. Um, the kids that Compassion works with, um, 
it's rare for anybody in that area to have one meal a day. Um, so the cool thing with Compassion is they supply one meal every day, and that's pretty much what they live off for the entire day. And all it is is a bowl of rice and some gravy and one small piece of chicken, which you know is a lot of fat on it. Um, so it was definitely cool, that video that we saw about us feeding the kids. I mean, you would just, in that particular project, it was that day, a couple of videos ago, um, it was raining as we started to feed them, and we're just standing out there in the rain, and it was up on top of this, really this large hill, and there were 300 kids or so. Yeah. Just, you know, you looked out, and there's all these kids that were trying to feed lunch, and it's just rice and chicken, and, you know, that, that's their, their lunch, or that's their entire meal for the day. Um, and you just kind of see their faces, and they're just so happy to, you know, get a bowl of rice. Um, it puts things in total perspective when, you know, we're accustomed to three meals and snacking throughout the day, and these kids are living off of rice, um, and they're happy, you know, just to get that. Um, so it, it's right. definitely puts things in, in perspective right. in that regard. And no forks, no spoons, mm -hmm. no drinks. They weren't drinking. Yeah. You know, we always drink with our meals, you know. And I know that's healthy or whatever, but, you know. I thirst <laughs> and it didn't even like occur to them and I, I would actually start feeling bad or I wouldn't even take my bottle of water out but, or I'd give it to them or something because I just started feeling bad um, uh, there's a LDP student interview um, Isaiah interview I think is what it but what was like the, the, the piece it was almost like every day we learn a different lesson but they would all combine together to create like one big lesson it was like they all were intertwined but one of the things that was interesting to me was that when these kids would grow up at 18 years old, um, they started identifying that, so now they can't feed them anymore, but they're 18 and they don't have any jobs, they don't have any hope, because they can't go to school anywhere. Um, and so they've started what they call the Leadership Development Program, and they're partnering with the university there, and they're kind of handpicking these students who have uh, exhibited leadership abilities, who have... Um, uh, good grades, have worked hard, and they'll pay for their college. And it's a, a very unique program, and it's $300 a month to sponsor one of these guys or girls. Um, and it, uh, the, the idea being that if they train them right, and it's, it's a very Christ-centered program at a university called Uganda Christian University, the idea being that they can train leaders because they were saying that they don't have any mentors. They don't have anybody to look up to. You know, and in a country of average life expectancy of 45, you can see all of a sudden, you know, we have guys here that we look up to. We look up to these, you know, our, our elders who are successful and who are prosperous or who are smart, or, and they all die before they get there, or most of them do, right? So, so this is, uh, I interviewed a guy named Isaiah. He was taking us on a tour of the campus of Uganda Christian University. He was, um, he's one of the LDP, the L Leadership Development Program students, so. Hit that one. Okay. Isaiah, how old were you when you were sponsored? I was uh, eight years old. Eight years old. So, do you remember when they came and took your picture? And do you remember it? Yeah. But you knew that, like when someone came and took your picture, do you remember them coming? Did you understand what they were doing? And I, I don't remember. You don't so remember it at all? I was still young. Yeah. And by that time I was... Okay, they took me a picture because I was writing class. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. when they came, they wanted someone who was the first person in that class. 
So they found out that I was a video. Th so that was you, huh? And then also the other thing is that I used it to minister. Right. So when they came, they found me missing it. So they just wow. decided to take me up for it. Wow. But I really didn't know that they were taking me for compassion or what. They just told me that you have a sponsor with this sponsor and you to study. Sorry, you can't really hear him. Wow. What should we go next? This way? So did you have brothers and sisters? Do you have brothers and sisters? I, I have very many. Very many? We, we, are, we are 12 at home. Oh my gosh. Um, that is I'm, very many. I'm, I'm, I'm the first 12. in our family. Okay. And you won't be able to hear him say this, I guess, but he says his mother died of cancer. And I was like, yeah, my mom died two weeks ago of cancer, and so we kind of talked about that. And then his father is very sick um, and is dying as well. So, and I'm sorry you can't hear that, but that's what he's saying. So, I guess we can stop it because you can't really hear it. it but this was, and I don't know if you guys have any thoughts from this day, but this was the part of the missing link to me. The This was the, this is the day I took the most from, um, what was the name of the, the one guy who, when we're having lunch? James. James. Um, we, we went and ate lunch after, we spent about an hour and a half with someone who's actually from Oregon, who is uh, doing ministry over in Uganda, works for Uganda Christian University. And uh, when we were done eating, they brought in three of the LDP students for like a question and answer time with us. And they all went through and told us their stories. And with James, he, uh, I can't remember which parent died first, but he lost his mom and then lost his dad. Yeah. And when both parents were gone, he went to live with his older sister who took care of him and was it two or three other siblings? Yeah. Um, and then his older sister ended up passing away as well. And at 15 or 14 or 15, he became the leader of the household and on his own had to provide for him and his siblings while being sponsored by Compassion and being part of the program. And uh, he ended up getting accepted into the LDP and was sponsored and chose to go to Uganda Christian University. And uh, we had a reporter with us from Brio Magazine uh, named Martha who asked him the question, I'm sure we were all thinking, but asked him if... Uh, with everything that had gone on in his life, if he was ever mad at God for what everything he'd been through, which is something that happens with me all the time. Like I don't get something I want or something bad happens to my family or whatever. Like my first instinct sometimes is just to be angry and angry at God and all that. And when she asked him the question, he was so confused, like a complete foreign concept. Like how could I be ever, when he said this, how could I be ever mad? How could I ever be mad at God who has taken me from complete poverty and been with me through everything I've gone through um, and supported me and provided for me with everything that how could I ever even think about being angry yeah. at something like this? Yeah, it and wasn't a language barrier. It no. was a spiritual yeah, like, he, confusion. He sat like, there what? for like, it, it was a good 30 seconds of silence just staring at Martha and then staring at all of us. Yeah. And we repeated the question and he's like, oh, no, I understood. I just, I don't understand the question. And it, it, like that yeah. hit me like a ton of bricks. It was just like seeing someone who we feel so bad for with everything he's gone through, but he really understands what's going on. And it, we came across that with all the LDP kids. They, they've all had the same story. They all went through and everything they had to go through just to even apply to the scholarship is amazing. They're tested four times throughout school, like the equivalent of at the end of third grade, they go through a test, and if they don't pass, they're out of school. 
like they can't go on and then again i think at seventh grade 10th grade and then um at the end of 12th grade and then at that point you still have to have perfect marks to even apply to university and then uh it was just um they took us around a tour of the university and i got really lucky i was one-on-one with the student from a, a student named innocent who took me around and showed me i think it was the only one who got one-on-one so i was happy but uh just hearing his story too where he uh a lot of times with ldp students they don't have the same sponsor they had when they were younger because it goes from 32 dollars a month to 300 a month but um my student who i was walking with is actually from his sponsors were from toronto which is where i'm from so that was really weird but uh he was sponsored by one family at a church and then when he got accepted into ldp the family went to the church and the church sponsored him to go to university and he couldn't stop talking about his about his sponsors there was such a sense of of gratitude to to the sponsors for sponsoring him but he also was so in love with god it was unbelievable like we thought we were going there to minister to these kids but they ministered more to me than i ever could have ministered to them and it was unbelievable I think that, um, and you know, I've written about it, but, you know, part of me wishes that maybe every Christian in America, we just take the year off from conferences. Because <laughs> what we're going for every, you know, every time there's an outpouring, whether it be in Lakeland or Springfield or wherever, and everybody kind of scrambles there because they want to get the Lord and more of the Lord. And I think that's a noble thing to want and to desire. Um, and I don't know, you know, at the end, when we all, you know how it is, we're going to get to heaven, we're all going to figure out we were just a little bit wrong, you know, or in some cases, a lot. Um, I can look back and think, man, I really hope that doesn't come up. Um, but it occurs to me that, you know, Jesus sent his disciples off two by two, it says in Luke, and they came back after they'd seen these amazing things, and it says they came back full of joy. And I think that what happens is that, you know, a conduit, so to speak, it's, it's uh, when, you're, when you're fulfilling your purpose, you're most fulfilled, right? And if our purpose is that, is to be a conduit of the Lord, then that's exactly what happens. We go there and we come back, you know, exhausted and sick. And uh, who could have ever thought that it would, I think it was a statement that I've said, but who could have ever thought that it could be so much fun to have your heart broken? Like it was just this amazing experience full of joy um, and full of resolve and it's so patently biblical and simple you know and most times you could probably get you know you could get to a third world country cheaper than you can get to the you know the next you know conference in Atlanta you know I mean and you know I'm just saying that maybe you know there's there's a there's a simple truth that anybody and I know that those that came back from Haiti you know experience that every time you come back you're full you know full of joy and I remember I think it was Bethany last year said that when she came back from Haiti she was so struck by how happy everybody was how happy the children were and how full of joy they were and that's what we experienced we saw I mean see that lady that had AIDS and you know HIV and she's showing us around and she's so happy and so proud and so you know those kids at the LDP thing all they wanted to do was you know and I was like we were like 15 minutes late because they the guy really wanted to show me his room and the girl really wanted to show me the room. You know, I mean, we were all, they were so proud of it, you know. And it was, I'm, I swear to you, it was like a little tiny, it was like a size of a big closet with three bunk beds in it and some posters on the wall. And they were so thrilled and so full of joy. And it was like, maybe Jesus had something when he, under, when he said that blessed are the poor, right? Because these people were blessed. We've, 
redefined blessing in America to be rich and successful in big houses. And, and here were these people that were so blessed. And, and then for us to come back again full of joy, full of like what the Lord said would happen to us. And it's so simple and such an easy principle. But do you guys have any, like, what's the one thing that you think you walked away with? And maybe you shared it with James. I don't know. But was there one thing that you guys think, okay, this isn't a thing that I learned or a thing that happened inside of me or something I'll never forget moment while one, you were there? One thing that stuck with me even more with the, with the LDP was um, a lot of the graduates of LDP have come from a place of complete poverty. And they've come to the place where they're, everything's taken care of for them. Scholarship, food, books, everything. And almost every single one of those students, when they graduate the program, instead of going on to bigger and better things and going and getting a job that pays well, they turn around and go right back where they came from to mentor and lead for the, the kids who are coming up after them where they, they aren't cutting loose and running away. They're going right back to where, to where they can make the biggest difference. They're either doing that or they're staying in the school to help teach the new generation of students. Or uh, when we visited the Compassion office the day we left, a lot, of the student, a lot of the people working there came from the program. So Compassion came in and helped them, um, educated them, and now they are making sure that more kids can be helped. And it was just... The amazing thing for me is we see so often that people come from a rough past or a really they've struggled throughout their whole life and they finally get to a place where they can be better off and they all run away and go off to the eyes are always on the future but they take that take the lessons they've learned and all that stuff and then go back and are a way bigger help making sure that people don't have the same struggles they had and just that that whole thing just blew me away yeah, because when you've seen where they're going home to versus where they are, and, and keeping in mind, where they are ain't all that great, okay? These, the cities in Africa are definitely look like, the best part of town looks like ghetto here, okay? But, but that's, compared to where they're going back to, the fact that they would, with a, 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 a like purpose in their heart, choose to go back to sleep probably, you know, I mean, like Isaiah with 12 brothers and sisters are going to probably, you know, I'm sure it's a house not unlike every other house we saw, which was a little room with some beds and some mosquito nets and a dirt floor, you know. Another thing about James, the one guy we talked to at the luncheon was uh, as part of the $300, they get a little bit of uh, pocket money. And since he's still supporting his two younger siblings, he takes all of his pocket money and sends it to his aunt who's taking care of his brothers and sisters and doesn't take any money for himself, but is all about just helping his family. And it, just the complete selflessness was, uh, was eye-opening for sure. One of the girls that I talked to on that trip uh, on the LDP side told about when she was a kid, she would sneak food home for her brothers and sisters um, because they didn't have anything to eat. So she would, her one meal a day, she would take her, you know, mutton and mazooka or whatever. I'm not sure how she even got it home, but she'd take it home and share it with her, with her family. I think the, um, <clears throat> for me personally, I think the week was summarized with it's a tsunami of need. And for, I mean, I've been on these trips, it's like the eighth year I've gone, and it's never really, I mean, it's clicked. You go there, you, you know, India, Africa, whatever it is, and you, you see these kids, and you come back, you're fired up, and, you know, you're you know, in your house looking around, and it's like, wow, I, I have a ton of stuff. Um, and you're going to complain, you know, <laughs> it, for whatever reason, if it's work-related, personally related, whatever. Um, but we were sitting in, uh, we were debriefing. It was probably the last night. We were at some hotel, um, just in a circle with everybody there. And 
who I guess it was you who brought up that quote, it's a tsunami of need. Um, and one of the compassion ladies that we were with, the question was, you know, we see all these kids and, you know, we're just a bunch of Americans working in the industry or for a magazine or whatever. I mean, what can we do? Um, and the response was, tell your story. Um, and when you come back, it, I mean, that's that kind of just put it in perspective of, you know, everything that I do for work and, you know, what I have my staff involved in and, you know, what we're doing um, is really trying to tell the story um, through our creative way. And it just, you leave, you know, with this perspective of, you know, these kids, we go, you know, you, you travel 20 some hours on a plane and you know, every project that we went to, well, the bus would come around the corner. I remember, I remember that last day, um, they kind of came running down this hill, like yelling and screaming that we arrived just to, you know, to, to we, say we hi. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're just so excited to see you. And, and at the LDP, I was with three girls um, on the LDP that they were walking around with, and we were just saying goodbye, and they're like, I will pray for you. And it's just, it just it's moments like that that just kind of yeah. put it in perspective. It's, you know, we're rich Americans compared to them, and we're there trying to, you know, share our love on them, and all they want to do is love you back and pray for you. It just puts things in total perspective. Um, but I, I think that tsunami and need kind of uh, summarizes the entire trip for me. It's what but. it felt like, you know. I've never seen a tsunami, but I've been to the ocean, and it's endless, you know. And maybe that's what Jesus said when he made that statement that you'll always have the poor with you. And, I've, and it's so funny because I've heard people use that in a dismissive tone. You know, um, I was talking with a doesn't matter who it was, but this person I looked up to and spiritually kind of explaining what we're doing with um, conduit and, and and our desires and and she made this statement of well you know I mean the poor, you know the poor will always be with you and it was very dismissive of it and you know caught me off guard um, but they will right and and you know I know that the Lord in 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 His creativity has this design and and this thing and that you know I I, I know that. You know, Abraham asked a question when he said that shall not the Lord, uh, the God of all the universe, do what is right? And um, that was not rhetorical. <laughs> the answer is yes. And I don't understand now why God doesn't make it rain um, bread again. I don't know. Um, but it, I guess for me what hit me for the first time was that the whole the body of Christ thing really became alive to me for the first time in a way that it isn't. In America, we, we say the body of Christ in this unity kind of way. That's why we have Methodists and Baptists and Catholics and Charismatics, because we're all the body of Christ. And, and that's a nice way of looking at it, um, and it, makes, it sounds really good at conventions. But in reality, a body, and I've said it, and it was this weird thing, because I don't know if you've ever had like, something you've said and you've thought, and all of a sudden it becomes real. But a body is the implementing, the executing arms and legs and of the will of the head. And so, and I wrote it then, and I don't know, I hate to be repetitive because I know I blogged about it, but it was the first time it occurred to me, the question isn't where is God in this situation? The question is where is the church in this situation? Because we are the body of Christ. And that was this, and I'm still chewing on it because it's like, you know, we're looking to our Republicans or our Democrats or whatever to solve these problems. And, and, and while I appreciate that as, a, as an option that can be helpful, um, where is the church? And what if, uh, I mean, how possibly could we have 
in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture this wealthy and this rich and this prosperous have missed that. Um, what I love about Compassion, and there's so many amazing ministries. We partner with one in, in, uh, in Haiti called Restoration Ministries. But what I love about Restoration Ministries is it's a church. And it's a church that's reaching into the community. And what Compassion does is they find a church that's doing something and then they empower it and they provide for it. And so God's, when you look even in the book of Acts, God designed the church as his arm of evangelism, of his tool of evangelism was the church was you and I. And so when we are partnering with Pastor Lafleur in Haiti, which you guys never met, but he's this amazing man. And, you know, they, the folks that just came back from Haiti said that, you know, with you guys, what we've done here, everywhere they look, there's a stove that Conduit paid for. There's food that Conduit paid for. There's, and, it, and we don't, I mean, we're just a, you know, bunch of guys and girls that don't make a whole lot of money, but somehow we're making a difference there in that little place. And it was, I think, where what I walked away from, my lesson, was that God is, first of all, that's our gig, Okay, if we're looking for our purpose, that's it. It's to be the implementation, the implement, you know, of the, the, otherwise it's just a head with a lot of really great ideas. I've said that before. That's what the body is. We implement God's ideas and his will on the earth. And what I think that I've walked away from was that God is creative. He's sophisticated. He's smart. And the idea that I'm not doing anything, which is what I did for so long, right? I would sit around thinking, boy, I really wish I could do something. I had this problem so big. I don't know what to do. So I just didn't do anything that that is an unacceptable answer, an unacceptable response. And what I've learned most is that I can actually do things. I mean, when you look at this little gathering right here, which is a year old, it was just an idea while I was watching Brad Pitt and Angelina on CNN. You know, well, we could do something, but we have this little Bible study, and here are these people that don't even know the Lord, probably don't even like him, and they're doing this. Why can't the church be known for this? We're known for our bullhorns and our bumper stickers and everything that we're against. What if we could be known for what we're for? You know, that was where this thought process came from. And now, a year later, $30,000 have flowed through the conduit um, into the hands of people that are on the front lines. And that was just an idea. And honestly, it wasn't, it's not even that smart when you think about it. But it was God's deal. And so my challenge to myself and, and, and hopefully to you guys as well, was to think, okay, well, what is my deal then? I mean, I could, you know, start right with what I've got. Maybe it's just in giving to here because you know that we don't keep any of it. We flood it all out. We use it. You know, sometimes we have a need here or there, like with our, you know, a wonderful government. You know, we've got to pay for some paperwork. But other than that, we just flow it all out of here. We, try, we clean out the bank accounts. We don't like having money sitting in there because that makes us a cesspool. You know, we're not that. We flow through. We don't want that sitting around. It's just going to grow mold. We'd rather it be feeding people or serving people. Um, and so, I don't know. I guess my challenge to me personally is even in my day job, how can I more implement this? How can I mentor the artists that I work with? How can I, in, in moving forward, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, who knows where I'll be in a year from now. What, what, what does that look like? How can I never let this be an afterthought but a forethought? Do you know what I mean? How can that... How can I keep it on the front of my mind, not the back of my mind? How can that become? And I love it when you think like with an organization like Compassion or World Vision or many of these, they consider them to be successful if they've given 85% or more of the money away. How can it, is it possible that a church could do that? Maybe? I mean, right now, it's the exact opposite of that. Most churches give away 10% of their money in benevolence, and then 90% goes to salaries and buildings. And, and I don't know. That's, I mean, that's a, a naive thought because... We live in America, and we have buildings that cost a lot of money, and I don't know. We can't 
go meet in fields because they have like you know laws and stuff and so i i don't I, you know i don't know how this works honestly i just think we need to start asking ourselves the questions not only in our in our our, our corporate church structures but in our own personal lives how can we do more and it's not you know again i'm not suggesting unless the lord tells you that we got to take a vow of poverty i'm not saying that I'm saying how can you is there is there a thing in your own life that you can creatively create because that's what conduit really was we created the lord created something out of nothing there was nothing here a year ago here meaning ethereally speaking and now there is there's this little group this little band that's sort of loose and small that gathers together every week and we give some money and 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 the lord uses it uh mightily so creatively i want to encourage you to listen to the lord to listen to the voice of the spirit and what he might encourage you personally to do because if we all grab our bucket we still won't solve the problem ultimately but we're doing our job and we're doing what the lord himself says over and over and over and over and over and over again in the word which is that we're concerned about the poor and the the vulnerable the oppressed um we sing words like, let justice and praise become my embrace and sing it because it sounds nice. But what if justice really was something we embraced, um, that we could bring justice to some of these that don't have it? So, I think on that, too, <clears throat> the day we were at the LDP, the university, um, we arrived. It was Sunday. We arrived late, but we were going to a church service that was right there. Um, so we roll up. The church service already began. We walk in, and they're, like, playing a Chris Tomlin song or whatever. <laughs> and there's this little, I don't know, like a 500-seat amphitheater type thing that they had, um, packed full. And then there's, like, kind of like a crowd on the outside of it. Um, but what Darren was saying, you know, what's the purpose um, of your life? And it, it was kind of weird, yeah. but the message of, the, uh, of that church service was from Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. We've all heard the story, you know. It was yeah. very bizarre, the whole church service. I mean, it was probably the best church service I've been to in a yeah. while. But, you know, they're singing all these Christian songs that we sing every Sunday. Um, but then the pastor gets up and gives this crazy powerful message on a purpose-driven life. But he did it in his own way. Um, yeah. Where I was challenged, you know, through the entire per- uh, process, it's, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, okay, I work for creation. I have all this at, you know, my disposal what can we do um, at that level and what is our purpose? And I think leaving from this trip, it's, you know, what, what is my personal purpose in life? But how can we apply, you know, what we're learning here uh, to better serve the kingdom as a whole? And it was just, it was just a, a very weird, amazing church service. We're on the other side of the world and we're singing the same song. It's really the universal language, um, you know, mm-hmm. Christianity at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, that's something that I, I left with is, you know, constantly as we move forward in, in our lives and, you know, whatever we're doing, um, you know, how can we have our purpose-driven life um, to be more impactful? Um, I'm not saying, you know, like Darren said, I'm not selling my house and moving to Guam, um, but I think everything that we do, if we can try to, you know, keep things in perspective or, you know, what can we do ultimately that has a greater cause than the now um, or personal gain for me um, or the company I work for or, or whatever it is. Um, it was a very challenging, you know, church service to say the least, but also, you know, summarized the trip pretty well. I took a picture of the lyrics to the song. 
can't remember. I just remember always thinking when they would sing songs that we would sing, thinking, wow, that sounds a lot different coming from these folks. <laughs> I took a, there's a picture on the, on the, I think Facebook, whatever, but with a, the lady who was dying of AIDS and on the wall it said, um, the Lord reigns, let the, the whole world rejoice. thought, wow, you know. The joy of the Lord is this lady's strength. You know, if we're looking for what brought her strength, it was that. And uh, and I don't know. I get you're right. I remember that because, and he even said, you know, we're in Rick Warren. I love it because this is a guy. The reason they even know who he is is because he's been dumping resources, thanks to his wife, you know, into Africa, into a, an area that the church has been really late to the game on. You know, because we decided at some point that it was a, a sexually transmitted disease, and thus these people didn't deserve our help. Um, we might not have said it out loud, but that's what we were thinking. And so for Rick to be the first guy to lean forward on that was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, there. that really caught me. I have a living hope. I have a future. God has a plan for me of this, I'm sure, of this, I'm sure. I'm like, wow. One thing that even drove that home more for me was that we were sitting, there was 500 people there, and 200 of them had come through the program. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> to say I have a hope, I'm <laughs> like, Wow. I've been to your house. I don't know how you have hope, <laughs> you know? But they did. It was quite literal for them. It wasn't ethereal or spiritual or metaphorical. It was a literal. Another thing that was amazing at the church services of the 500 people that were there, every single person was truly worshiping. Oh, yeah. Um, there was no pride. There was no self-consciousness. There was... Except for us Mazungos. Yeah, yeah, except for the 22 of us that were there. Yeah who were just looking around taking pictures the whole yeah. time. That was in Isaiah's room, the guy whose father was dying and his mother was dead and 12 brothers and sisters. God can lift you from nothing to something. It's like, huh. Um, you didn't know that Vince Neal was down there. Let's hear of Motley Crue. <laughs> I mean, later in life, Vince Neal. Um, anybody have any questions before we let you guys go? None? That one or in general? Boy, that's a question, isn't it? I don't know. You look at Haiti, and they're right there on the Western Hemisphere, and it's ab abject poverty surrounded by natural beauty and wonder and prosperity. Spiritual? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a civilization that's considerably older than our own. And um, and it seems like the stories are the same from history that I've read, and that's that, you know, a, a guy comes into power, and the old saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely, and so he ends up, you know... Uh, becoming a dictator that's all about his own power structure and the poverty of everyone. You know, it's just, uh, well, you know. And the rich there are really rich. Yeah, like dumb, I remember, dumb um, rich, yeah. The CDP day, the when we went in, to the camp where all the sponsored children were, um, it was this one church on the top of a hill, and there was a valley across the way where a lot of the, a lot of the kids were living, but we never did find out what this house was, but right next to the church was this massive house that was full-on gated, barbed wire bars in the windows but it would have been a nice house here and all around it were like we could see for three miles in each direction and it was just 
packed with clay huts and we just found this one random house yeah in the middle of nowhere that was really nice i'm not did you see that house yeah, yeah. absolutely i vividly remember it but and we kept asking around to, trying to figure out what it was or who lived there and we just it was the the difference was amazing and from our hotel um our hotel was really nice for that but it would have been a. I don't even know. There was what plenty of things to, to yeah. complain about. Yeah, plenty of things. Com- <laughs> it, it was uh, if you're a 25-year-old Holiday Inn, yeah. comparatively. Um, but I looked out the window of my room. We were on the 13th floor and saw this one house that looked like a resort, but it had a tennis court or two tennis courts, a pool, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It looked like it was about 4,500 square feet, and it was a private residence. But if you looked out on the other side, there were more clay huts. And this is downtown Kampala, which is the capital city of Uganda. Any other thoughts? I think on that, too, I think one of the things that Compassion told me a few years ago is that they're very complacent. Um, so, I mean, if you're born into poverty, your chances of getting out of poverty are very, you know, they're slim to none. Um, and I think the cool thing with the LDP program is, you know, they're compassion kids that were brought up through the compassion system, some cases since they were one, yeah. um, through their baby programs. Um, but they're the, the stars that stand out of compassion, and they're the ones that, you know, they have the religious background, the faith, they're tied into compassion, and they have the desire to change their, yeah. their world, or change their country at least. Um, it's so, like the first time they were ever taught that that was an option. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I can actually do something, you know, about this? Like, well, that's an option. Uh, when we were leaving and um, I was saying goodbye to Innocent, I asked him what I could pray for for him. And uh, he just wa- he wanted me to pray for the – he wanted me to pray for compassion, that they would keep doing good work, and the future of Uganda. He didn't – I kept pushing. He, he would not ask for a specific prayer request for him. He was completely outward focused. Reminds just, you of Paul, don't it? Yeah. Every time you ever see Paul in any of his epistles, when pray for me that I might, you know, and I've said it before, but he doesn't ever pray to get out of prison, doesn't pray for vengeance, doesn't pray for freedom. You know, I'd be on everybody's prayer list. Man, get me on your prayer list so I can get out of here. And um, the second home visit we did, um, it was a grandmother taking care of the kids, and uh, yeah, we wanted yeah. to pray for her. Uh, I don't remember if you were that. I wasn't. But, you um, told me about it. We wanted to pray for her uh, before we left, and everything about it was for her grandchildren. Um, she hadn't eaten in two days. She, I believe, had HIV, but every, she just wanted her grandchildren to be taken care of if anything happened. And she wouldn't. She never did give us anything for her, and we just all we could do was just shower her with love. But it was. And on that too, there were almost every home visit that we went to. Um, I mean, we're dealing with you know people that make what was a hundred dollars U.S. a year. Yeah. Um, so we'd bring, you know, beans and rice and just a bag full of stuff. But every time we left a home visit, they would give us fruit or yeah. sugar cane or whatever. Something which, for yeah, I mean, they had a, it was mind-boggling. I mean, you didn't want to take it, but you're being rude if you don't. Um, so, I mean, they're taking weeks of salary, which, you know, is five bucks, um, to give us all, you know, jackfruit, which is this big, and sugar cane that's 12 feet tall. Um, what am I going to do with this? But you take it. <laughs> It was good. We yeah, ate we, it, but yeah. it's just you're going there to love on them, to share on them, to shower them with whatever you can, and they're taking literally their last pennies to give us going away gifts. It was just it's perplexing. I mean, you think of you know 
if you're down on your luck and, and totally broke and I mean, are you going to give just cash to your friends because they're having a bad day or, or they just came to say hi or, or yeah. whatever. It's just, it doesn't it even was, occur to us to do that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, wait it, a minute. It's mind blowing. The last home visit that I did, they, uh, she didn't give us anything because, uh, and she apologized. She was almost ashamed that she couldn't afford to give us anything. Yeah. 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 I guess, um, and I'll pray and we can, we can be on our way for the night, but you know, if, if anything that I've, that is personally planted in me, and I know that it was the Spirit that's done it in me, and I pray that He'll do it in all of us. And I know many already in here are already there, but is that this is our lives. You know, this is what we're called to do, to be. It's not like somebody has to have a special calling to do this. You know, you pretty much have to have a special calling not to. I mean, this is it's what we do. This is what, you know, we're the body of Christ, and this is what this body does. You know, we don't... Um, uh, we can never escape this, and I don't want to. Um, I don't ever want to forget this. I don't ever want to let this be a phase of my life. Um, this is uh, this is what we were created to do, right? And so, uh, my prayer, I guess, would be that you know, conduit. That's what we do. We do it with our resources. We do it with our lives. We. Uh, but you know what? Well, not all of us are here all the time. Not all of us are called to be here all the time. Not all of us are called to be here for the rest of our lives, right? We're not going to be here for the rest of our lives. But that this will be seeds planted in all of us that wherever we end up in our lives, that God will give us creative ideas. I mean, I look at you know Steve and Melanie in the front row here, and they're you know, giving their homes to children in the foster system. The Lord put it on their heart to do that, to, you know, this is what they had in front of them. This is what the Lord led them to do, to, to bring children into their homes that are in the middle of, you know, in our own country, in the middle of violent or whatever situations, and to give them a, uh, you know, an oasis for a few moments of their lives. But God let them do that, and God let us do conduit, and God let, you know, you guys go to Haiti and, uh, you know, Africa and creation, you know, doing what, and it's like if we all just do that and be that, just think. And I think that was what was so amazing is the tsunami is so large, but what if everybody got it? Like, what if everybody, every church, everywhere, did what Rick Warren has done, done, you know, what Bill Heibel is doing? What if we all did that, you know? What could happen? And, and I don't know if that, you know, maybe Conduit can spark a little fire as well, you know? Maybe us telling our story. I mean, you know, over 700 people subscribe to our podcast. It's crazy. I don't, you know, people from all over. Are, are listening to this and 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 it's funny because that's such a big number and it's really really small potatoes in the grand scheme of things but but maybe there are folks that are listening you know on their ipods that are that get a fire for their area i, I all i know is that we are doing what's right in front of us and the door that was in front of us and 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 if the lord puts an idea in your heart that you want to plant a seed and maybe conduit could be a machine to help you do that with implementation man let us know email me email jeremy or philip let, let us know if, we, if you've got ideas that god's put on your heart um, I know that me personally, as I was looking and meeting these kids with compassion, knowing that we're already sponsoring 40-some kids in, you know, in Haiti that are already getting up and having breakfast on us, you know, maybe we should be doing that with some of the compassion kids as well. I got to see firsthand what happens with these kids. You know, I mean, Shannon and I personally are doing it, but maybe that's something that Conduit can do. And maybe as a group, we can be writing them letters because I think that's something that, and even in Haiti, I, I thought we need to be doing that. We need to be writing these kids letters. We need to be sending them gifts. You know, so maybe one every other month we just get together and that's all we do is we write letters and send jelly beans to Haiti or something. I don't know. But, but to, to the, these are not just pictures. They're actual. It was like for the first time, like poverty 
has a face and a body and emotions. And it was a human that I saw. It was a human that I held. And it wasn't just an academic idea anymore. I mean, I've been teaching about this, what, for a year, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, and then for the first time to see it, and like, it's like, oh, you know, this it was a good thing. I'm, you know, this is actually right. Um, it's actually accurate. So that's my prayer, and I've jabbered long enough, but thanks, Nick and Cliff, for coming out. I know you guys are very busy. They've got a big tour that's, you know, it's crazy, actually, how busy it is, but I appreciate you taking your time and coming. And uh, our exalted bucket exists tonight. Um, We'd love to get a nice one, but we spent all the money. <laughs> um, give it all away. And I'm okay with it. If we have to give it in trash bags for all I care, you mean, you know. Um, but that's part of if God's put on your heart, that's something to, to know. And I love it because I can stand up here with no nothing because I don't get any money from this. Jeremy doesn't get any money from this. None of us take any money. We give it all away. And if the Lord puts it on your heart um, to do that, uh, then please do. Uh, please know that your donations are going right into the hands of people that are feeding uh, our little buddies like Waswa and, and Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> I've met him. Oh, oh. <laughs> is that hot blonde? That's my favorite charity right there, Shannon. Um, so anyway, I want to pray for you. And you know what? I want to thank you too. Thanks to every one of you guys who have given. Thanks to every one of you guys who have given of your lives and of your resources. And for the first time, I've understood that I swear to you, and you've heard a pastor say this before, and I'm not a pastor, by the way, um, even if it's a dollar, and for the first time it hit me, oh, that really is true. <laughs> a dollar goes a really, really long ways. Um, if it's all you got, Paul said, according to what you're able, give it in. And if it's not here, give it somewhere. Just uh, all I know is the answer is not nothing. That's all I know. Whatever the Lord is leading you to do, it's something. And if it's nothing, then you've missed the Lord. That's all I'm saying. So let's pray. Father, Thank you for um, moving in our midst and in our hearts um, that we might one day stand before you uh, as uh, that we actually could hear the words well done, um, that we don't live our lives. I mean, I feel so stupid for living so long, for going to church on Sundays and giving in the offering and all those things that, that seem so noble, but we're just nowhere uh, on your priority list. Uh, thank you for having mercy on me and for allowing me an opportunity to learn this lesson uh, this young in my life and that I might be able to uh, live the rest of it and that everyone in here could learn those lessons, even maybe younger than I learned it, that this is not just... Uh, a phase. It's who we are. It's what we do. Thank you for giving us that opportunity uh, and for letting us learn it now that this is what you were about um, and we might find your presence and your joy there. Lord, you said in your presence is fullness of joy and you said that also we've done it under the least of these we've done it unto you that you are there in their midst so your presence is with them with the poor with the vulnerable that we might seek you there and there we would find joy that is maybe eluding some of us uh, tonight I ask for creative ideas to flow um, not that we could get rich but that we could be rich uh, with your blessings into this earth um, thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for uh, listening, guys, for coming out. Um.
listen to the Lord. He's speaking. It isn't because he isn't speaking. It's maybe because we're not listening. So uh, we'll see you next uh, we'll, we'll, Next Monday night. There will be conduit. So, so yeah, there will be. So um, this is the time when we need Carmen music.